The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Grandpa's Globe. Previously on Grandpa's Globe, Sawyer and Susie's grandpa came to rescue them from Canada. But just when Grandpa was about to touch home on the globe, Sawyer slipped and bumped into him, making him touch Russia and sending them on a wild Russian adventure. The twins soon discovered that the globe had chosen them and was starting to send them on missions. From now on, every time the globe begins to spin on its own, it is calling for them. After restoring a stolen Van Gogh painting to Russia's Hermitage Museum and returning home, the globe started to spin. And now for episode four, China, the Dragon Dance. Sawyer was practicing his best kung fu moves in the bathroom mirror. He had just finished watching his favorite kung fu movie and was awkwardly trying to copy the moves from his favorite fight scenes. No, you not my master, I your master, he said, raising his fists and throwing a high kick that nearly ripped his pants. A knock came at the bathroom door. Sawyer, are you done yet? Susie asked. Almost, just finishing shaving, Sawyer replied, realizing his poor choice of an excuse. What, your head? Come on, open the door. Sawyer sheepishly opened the door, and there stood Susie with her arms folded and a smirk on her face. Glad you got rid of that grisly beard, she said. It was getting kind of long. Sawyer rubbed his bare cheeks, which hadn't so much as a faint patch of peach fuzz on them. Just you wait, he said. Someday you'll be tripping over my beard. I'll be sure to watch where I step. Good. Susie handed him a packed bag. What's this? he asked. Susie threw her own bag over her shoulder. Grandpa called, the globe spinning. Sawyer stared at her in disbelief. Are you kidding? We just got home last night. Not kidding. Come on, he's waiting outside. Sawyer and Susie jumped into the car with Grandpa Boone and headed for his house. Neither of them could believe how quickly the globe had called them back. They knew there would be more missions. Grandpa had warned them of that. But so soon? Sawyer didn't feel ready. Susie didn't either, but she was handling it better. That's just how she was. Susie was always dependable, obedient, and on top of things. Sawyer, well, let's just say he liked to go at his own speed. Grandpa didn't say more than one word the whole drive, and that word was, Ready? When they first hopped into the car. The only thing breaking the silence during the trip was Sawyer's chewing gum. Smack, chomp, pop, went his gum every few seconds. He'd been on a gum kick for a while, but ever since they got home from Russia, since he'd dangled off the back of a speeding delivery truck, he'd been chomping it nervously like a cow chewing hay. When they got to Grandpa's house, he took them straight to the study. As they opened the French doors, a tornado of papers blew into their faces. At the middle of it was the globe, spinning so fast it had blown over nearly everything in the room. Grandpa spoke over the loud gust of wind. Don't forget to follow the instructions exactly, he said, handing the guidebook to Susie. 
He turned to Sawyer and handed him a dirty old pair of work boots. Sawyer looked them over. They looked stiff and uncomfortable and were covered in dust and dry mud. Oh, Grandpa, you shouldn't have, he said sarcastically before returning to his obnoxiously loud gum chewing. Bite your tongue, son, Grandpa scolded. Those boots aren't just boots. They're tricky ties. No time to get into the details. Just put them on, and if you get lost or in trouble, tie a double knot in the right shoe. Double knot. Gramps, I know how to tie a shoe, said Sawyer, slipping the boots on. Holding hands, he and Susie approached the spinning globe. Susie did the honors. She stretched out her hand confidently and then touched the blurred ball. A light touch of the finger and the swirling vortex of papers around them spun faster and faster until all they could see was fluttering pages. Suddenly, as if a giant fan was turned off, the paper tornado stopped and the pages came floating down to the ground. But instead of falling back down into Grandpa's study, they dropped down to reveal a massive stone wall that stretched as far as the eye could see. They were standing on it and trying to take in their surroundings. This thing is huge, said Sawyer, looking out over the immense structure. Susie recognized the wall immediately. She flipped through the guidebook and stopped on a dusty page. She beamed. We're on the Great Wall of China. Stretching out endlessly before them was an enormous wall that wound like a stone snake over gorgeous green hills and mountains. Castle-like towers popped up out of it every several hundred feet. Sawyer's wad of gum nearly dropped out of his gaping mouth. Susie pulled her eyes from the magnificent view to read about their destination. The Great Wall of China, she read, is over 1,500 years old and is 5,500 miles long, over 13,000 miles long if you include all the different sections. Whoa, she looked up. That's like driving from New York to Los Angeles and back multiple times. She continued to read, The wall is the longest structure ever built by humans and is considered one of the seven wonders of the world. Its sections were built as a defense against the north over various dynasties and over a long period of time. It says to hike along this stretch of the wall until we reach the third tower. Following the instruction carefully, they hiked along the stone wall until it made a sharp turn up a hill where the third tower stood. Sawyer imagined Chinese men back in the day standing guard in the towers and shooting down with bows and arrows in a battle. The daydream escalated to include him zipping down a line into the battle and using his newly refined kung fu moves to fight off the attackers. Sawyer! Susie called for the fifth time, waking him from his dream. Look! She pointed to the side of the wall that curved in front of them. Giant Chinese characters were spray-painted in red along its stones. Beneath it in English it said, Beware the dragon. The tourists around them gasped as a flaming arrow shot out from the trees below and lit the words on fire. The red characters blazed to life and made some in the crowd scream. Sawyer stared hard into the trees and for a moment could make out a long, odd, bouncing object vanishing into the dense shrub. Surprised and confused, Susie looked at the fiery words. Dragon? What dragon? she said. Could it be a coincidence this happened right as we got here? Sawyer chomped his gum thoughtfully, still looking into the trees below. Doubt it, he said. Susie looked back over the instructions. Her eyes widened as new sentences faded onto the page.
Join the Terracotta Army, she read. Sawyer smiled. Now we're talking. Using the magical Globetrotter tickets, the twins made their way to Xi'an, China, and headed to Xi'an Huan's mausoleum. Nearby was the Terracotta Army, an impressive display of clay sculptures housed in a massive complex where the figures were excavated. Susie read about it in the guidebook. It says that the Terracotta Army was burial art for the first emperor of China, Xi'an Shi Huang. They depict his vast armies and were buried with him in 2010 to 209 BC to protect him in his afterlife. There are 8,000 soldiers, 570 horses, and 130 chariots. She looked out over the clay army and marveled at its detailed moldings. The life-size figure stood in perfect formation as if heading to battle. Sawyer hopped over the railing to join the ranks. Sawyer! Susie shouted. But he ignored her and was soon practicing his kung fu moves on the frozen soldiers. He couldn't have asked for a more perfect practice arena. His mirror's reflection wasn't a very interesting opponent, but these... He jabbed and kicked at a stone-faced warrior. One of his karate chops accidentally landed on the figure's forehead and cracked it a little. Whoops, he said, looking over his shoulders to see if anyone noticed. Susie dropped down next to him. What's wrong with its face? she asked. Sawyer nervously rubbed his chin. Uh, I don't know. It was it was like that when I got here. Maybe a bird pecked it or something. A really big, strong bird. No, you rockhead, the mouth! She pointed to a frown painted in red over the soldier's clay face. Oh, said Sawyer. I just thought that was how it was supposed to be. Yeah, since spray paint was a real hot commodity in 2010 B.C. Look around you. Someone's painted frowns on all the soldiers' faces. Sawyer scanned over the room, and sure enough, every soldier had a red frown painted on its face. Even some of the horses next to them had a red frown. Just then, a huge banner unfurled from the ceiling. On it, red words said, The dragon was your greatest warrior. Beyond the banner, Susie noticed something big and long bobbing into the thick trees outside of the exhibit. Did you see, she started to say, but before she could point it out, it was gone. She returned her attention to the guidebook. Fresh ink formed new words on the page. Grab your things, she said. We're heading to Chengdu. Before they set off for their next destination, Sawyer stepped back and smushed his chewed gum into the crack he'd made on the soldier's forehead. There, like new. Next stop, the Chengdu research base of giant panda breeding. Susie couldn't wait to see the pandas. She remembered seeing a panda in the zoo once, and it was adorable. Sawyer was more of a scaly, sharp-toothed, poisonous reptile kind of guy. Giant cutesy fluffballs weren't really his thing, unless it had a pillowcase conformed to his head and you could sleep on it. He was hoping this would be one of those quick in-and-out instructions. Unless, of course, the pandas truly were giant and big enough to eat school buses. Anything smaller was a waste of time. Well, the pandas were most certainly not big enough to eat school buses, but they and the beautiful park-like research center were impressive, though Sawyer didn't dare admit it. They made their way through densely forested exhibits full of playful black-and-white pandas. The pandas were climbing over bamboo platforms and rolling around like toddlers who knew how cute they were. Susie looked over the fluff balls, adoring their every move. Aww, 
Sawyer-chan is tickling its own toes. So cute. Sawyer chewed his gum ferociously. Yeah, yeah, they're black and white bears. Big whoop. Where are we going? Susie bonked him with the guidebook, nearly making him swallow his gum. You could try to enjoy the enjoyable parts, you know. She looked down at the instructions. Yes! It says we get to go play with panda babies! She did an embarrassing little happy dance, and Sawyer tried to pretend he didn't know her. They headed to the counter in the main building, and Susie asked to be taken to the panda babies. The Chinese woman sitting behind the desk looked at them skeptically. But when Susie showed her the VIP scientist passes provided by the guidebook, she rose quickly and led them down the hall. She said in Chinese. The woman led them to a secluded room at the end of a long hallway. When the door opened, she had to hold Susie back from running in. Tussling about in front of them was a sea of squealing baby pandas. Don't squeeze them, okay? said the woman. They are very soft and fragile, so be careful. Your Americans always squeeze. Wang hei, gentle. Susie clapped her hands in front of her scrunched face and the woman let her pass. Oh, 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 oh. She ran over and scooped up a little chubby baby panda. It reached out its tiny paws and held on to her nose. Oh, they're so cute I can't handle it. She rubbed the adorable ball of fluff against her cheek. No squeezing, said the woman in the doorway. Susie loosened her grip a little. Sawyer strutted into the room full of chirping black and white pillows and tried to play it cool, resisting the growing itch to bundle up an armful of pandas and make baby noises. Psh, not bad, he said with a twitch. I mean, they're no baby hippo, but, you know, they're kind of amusing. He watched as the chubbiest one sat up on its furry tush and yawned. That was the final straw. Sawyer dropped down and scooped it up. Oh, is my little guy tired? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He said in a baby voice and then nuzzled his nose against the pandas. Susie watched him with a raised eyebrow. Let me be, Sawyer shouted. Okay, time's up, said the Chinese woman. I'll show you the rest of the facility. Reluctantly, the twins left the cute baby pandas and followed the woman through the halls. The tour was interesting and informative, but Sawyer and Susie just wanted to get back to the babies. At the end of the tour, and after much begging, they circled back to the baby pandas. "'What do you want to be when you grow up?' the woman asked Sawyer. "'I don't know. I was thinking maybe an ice cream taste tester, like for Bluebell or Ben and Jerry's.' The woman wagged her finger. "'No, no, no, no. That is not a real profession. You can do better than that, okay?' "'Okay?' "'Okay!' Sawyer said, wanting to please the woman so she didn't beat him up. They reached the baby panda room and froze. It was empty. "'The baby panda's gone!' the woman shouted. She slapped a red button and an alarm sounded in the facility. As if it were a practice drill, the workers and scientists started scouring every room and hall, looking for the missing baby pandas. Sawyer and Susie joined their efforts. Susie checked in the girls' bathroom. Sawyer ran around a corner and saw a suspicious man in a jumpsuit walking away from him. He was pushing a big covered cage quickly towards the exit. You! Hey, you! Stop! He shouted. He ran down the hall after the man and cycled through all the kung fu moves he'd learned from his movies. He'd been waiting for this moment, a chance to prove he was a true warrior. He reached the man almost in a sprint and swung his kicking foot high. Hey! 
His foot landed in the middle of the fleeing man's back, making him topple forward. The man grunted as he fell. Trying to catch his fall, he pulled the cover off the cage, revealing a basket full of cleaning supplies. Uh, uh, so sorry, said Sawyer in a Chinese accent before turning and booking it back down the hall. He and Susie met up in the main lobby, where they saw a crowd of workers gathered around the receptionist's desk. Behind it on the main wall were painted the words in both Chinese and English, You love panda more than dragon. What's with this dragon thing? said Susie. She poured through the guidebook looking for some kind of clue, but instead found a new set of instructions fading onto the page. It read, Catch a boat down the Lee River. Trying to hurry, they pushed their way through the crowd and left the Chengdu research base. As they did, they both thought they caught a glimpse of something big and long bouncing into the trees. Sawyer was starting to think he was seeing things. He knew better than to slow Susie down, so he made no mention of it. Susie was confident she'd seen it too, but didn't dare waste time on unnecessary detours. Follow the instructions exactly, Grandpa said. So they made their way to the Li River in Guanxi Suang. They followed the ink map that had appeared in the guidebook and climbed aboard a little tour boat with a flimsy roof. They cruised along the peaceful river and gawked at the skinny mountains that followed the water's every turn. Sawyer looked at the mountains and thought they looked like giant teeth with green lettuce stuck in them, trying to take a bite out of the sky. They were unlike anything he'd ever seen. Their tour guide, Wang, gave his whole tour in Chinese. Sawyer wasn't paying any attention to the man until he heard the words Kung something come out of his mouth. Whoa, 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 did you just say Kung Fu? Sawyer asked. Wang's face lit up. Yes, yes, Kung Fu, you know? Sawyer nodded hard. I love kung fu movies. I'm practically a kung fu master. Susie snorted and Sawyer gave her an elbow. Oh, you kung fu master? You see new kung fu movie with Jackie Chan? Sawyer shook his head. You know Miss Much was very bad. Bu hao. Um, no good. You know like. Noted. Do you know kung fu? Wang bowed. I kung fu master too, he said. Then he looked around to see if any other boat tour guides were nearby. This last tour of day, you practice with me? Heck yeah! Sawyer jumped at the opportunity to learn from a real master. Poor Susie had to endure a couple of long hours of grunts and cheesy noises from Sawyer as he and Wang exchanged moves. Wang had put her in charge of steering the boat while they practiced. As they reached a narrow pass in the river, a large wooden boat, nearly split in half and stuck on a boulder, came into view. On its sides were written the words, Beware the dragon's fire. They watched in horror as fire erupted on the boat and engulfed the spray-painted warning. Knowing what was sure to follow, Susie flipped open the guidebook and read as the new instructions appeared. Hong Kong, she said. Sawyer perked up. King Kong? Nice! I'll be ready for him, he said, resting his hand over his fist and bowing. Susie stared at him for a second to see if he was serious, and he was dead serious. Sometimes she wondered why she couldn't just bring their dog along. She took out the Globetrotter tickets and had Wang let them off at the next village. Before long, they were in Hong Kong. 
Oh, said Sawyer, reading the city name on a giant neon sign for the first time. He looked at Susie. Hong Kong. You say tomato, I say tomato. Just stop. Okay. Hong Kong was even more impressive than King Kong. A sea of skyscrapers stood against the backdrop of green mountains. The glimmering windows of the buildings reflected the waters of Kowloon Bay. Hordes of people filled the noisy streets, lit with innumerable flashing signs and screens. The place buzzed with life. The only thing Susie could compare it to was New York City, which she and her family had visited when she was younger. As in New York City, trying to take it all in was overwhelming. A sensory overload. If it wasn't for the guidebook, she was sure they'd be lost there forever. Luckily, they had instructions, and they followed them to Xi's Kitchen, a Chinese restaurant near Kowloon Park. It was a small place with a yellow neon sign flashing Chinese characters. Half the damaged sign flickered on and off. Good thing I'm starving, said Sawyer, because this place looks super sketchy. I think this is the right place, said Susie doubtfully. Only one way to find out. Xi's Kitchen was much nicer on the inside. So much nicer, in fact, that the twins thought for a moment they'd walked through the wrong door. The restaurant was decorated with colorful Kong Ming, also known as Chinese Sky Lanterns. Gorgeous, sweeping oriental landscapes were painted on the walls. Servers wearing beautiful one-piece dresses adorned with intricate designs, called Chungsum, moved gracefully from table to table. Sawyer and Susie were promptly seated and ordered according to the guidebook's instructions. In no time, three steaming plates were set in front of them. The first was wontons, Chinese dumplings full of ground pork and shrimp. Next to it was a plate of hot spring rolls, a rolled appetizer full of minced pork, shredded carrot, bean sprouts, and other vegetables with a dipping sauce set in the middle. These spring rolls were fried into crispy perfection. And the last plate was a sweet and sour pork served on rice. Everything was delicious. Sawyer almost forgot to take out his gum before eating. Gross, can't you just give that stuff a break? Susie scolded. Sawyer swallowed his first bite of wonton. It's my last piece. Whatever. As they ate their dinner, they couldn't help overhearing a conversation taking place at the table next to them. You can't find it anywhere, said a voice. We searched all trucks and all storage bins. It's gone, sir, said another. The men grew quieter. You realize that was the most powerful firework ever created? It had never been tested. Is dangerous? Likely. So bright it could blind you. Susie couldn't believe what she was hearing. Sawyer butted into their conversation. Psst. Hey, guys, can you keep it down a little? We're trying to enjoy our meal over here. Thanks. Susie stared at him, shocked. Sawyer mindlessly stuffed two spring rolls into his mouth. They finished the rest of their meal and then headed back out into the street. You couldn't let them talk for a couple more minutes? Susie asked. Sawyer, that could have been important. Sorry, they were boring me. Susie shook her head and then flipped open the guidebook. What's wrong? Sawyer asked. Susie looked worried. I haven't seen any new instructions appear in the guidebook. I thought that maybe if we came outside, something new would pop up, but it hasn't. Sawyer tossed his rationed gum back into his mouth. Did you try shaking it? Seriously? Yeah, 
Maybe give it a good shake and a thump. Here, let me see it. Susie pulled it back. It's not an Etch-A-Sketch, Sawyer. We have to wait for it. Nah, nah, come on, let's see that thing. Sawyer reached for it, but Susie kept dangling it out of his way. Sawyer, I'm in charge of the guidebook. I just want to look at it, Susie. They fought over the book until their whining was silenced by approaching music. Up ahead at the end of the street, they could hear something big coming their way. Music and cheers echoed between the buildings. Sawyer's eyes widened. King Kong? It sounds like a parade, said Susie. They walked to the end of the street and turned to see a massive celebration making its way through the city. The blaring sounds of a Chinese New Year's parade was coming towards them. The blaring sounds of a Chinese New Year's parade was coming towards them. Colorful floats with singers, dancers, and ribbon twirlers moved along the packed streets. Something bobbed into view that made Sawyer and Susie jump. It was a dragon. Not a real dragon, of course, but a long dragon costume that was controlled by several people ducking under it. It bounced and jerked with a loud music. Several smaller dragons slithered out, controlled by a few men holding up poles. They, too, bobbed and swayed with the music. The Dragon Dance. Something sticking out of the big dragon's paper mouth caught Sawyer's attention. A flash of images filled his mind. He remembered all the glimpses of a long, bouncing object in the trees and bushes. He thought of the warnings, all mentioning a dragon. That bouncing thing they'd seen was a dancing dragon, the same one that was dancing right in front of them. He stared at the object sticking out of the dragon's mouth. It was a cannon. Beware the dragon's fire, he mumbled under his breath. A spark lit at the back of the cannon and the big paper mouth pointed up towards the sky. The crowd cheered. Sawyer thought quick. He looked around for some way to stop it, but he was out of time. There was nothing he could use to... His eyes stopped at the dirty old work boots on his feet. Double knot, Grandpa had said. Without wasting another second, he bent down and tied a double knot in his right boot. The boot's heavy toe opened and shot something out of the front of the shoe that rocketed towards the big dancing dragon. Slash! It burst into a spray of colorful sparks and fire. A firework! Its vibrant blaze had lit the dragon's head on fire. Panicked, the men underneath it threw off the dragon costume and quickly diffused the cannon in the dragon's mouth. Stepping out from the dragon's head, looking confused and furious, was actor and martial arts master Jackie Chan. The crowd gasped and cheered as he emerged. Jackie met Sawyer's angry gaze. Two men from the crowd ran out to the diffused cannon and looked it over. Our firework, said one of the men from the restaurant. Quick, take it away, said the other. The men wrapped the cannon and disappeared into the throng of people. Meanwhile, Jackie Chan was marching toward Sawyer. You, you, you ruined my final act. Susie couldn't believe what she was saying. Even she knew who Jackie Chan was. Sorry, Chan Chan. Looks like your finale was a real dud, said Sawyer, impressed with himself. He popped a big obnoxious bubble in Jackie Chan's face. People don't like my new movie, Dragon Warrior. They say it is very bad. So I shoot the firework, boom, 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 and they can't watch more movies. They'll be blind. They don't like my movie. 
they don't watch any movie. With that, Jackie Chan chopped down at Sawyer, who ducked easily to one side, dodging the blow. Jackie was surprised. He threw a punch, but Sawyer swatted it away. He tried a kick, but it was swiped aside with Sawyer's foot. Then they sprang at each other. Pow, pow, pow! Their fists and feet moved like lightning, kicking, blocking, punching. The crowd gathered as they fought. In an act of desperation, Jackie Chan grabbed a metal trash can lid to block Sawyer's kicks before throwing it at him. Sawyer spun his leg high, kicking the lid out of the air and sending it back into Jackie Chan's chest. Jackie tumbled back onto the street. Sawyer stepped over the famous fighter who was holding his chest. Always with the props, Jackie boy. So predictable. Sirens sounded over the crowd as Hong Kong's police made their way to the commotion. Jackie Chan sprang to his feet. You haven't seen the last of me! He turned and ran for it, but before he could get away, Sawyer pulled his chewed gum from his mouth and threw it out in front of the fleeing man. Jackie Chan's running stride came right down on top of the pile of sticky pink goo. He tripped and fell forward, his shoe stuck to the street by the gum. The Hong Kong police finally broke through the last line of people and caught up to Jackie. He shouted about how good his movie was as they handcuffed him and put him in the back of the car. The crowd awed behind them. Sawyer and Susie turned to see the people lifting up Jackie Chan's dragon dance costume to reveal a cage of baby pandas. My babies! cried Susie as she ran over to them and cuddled them as hard as she wanted. Susie told the police where the baby pandas had come from and that they needed to be returned immediately to the Chengdu research base. Before they left, one of the policemen snapped his finger at Sawyer, who reluctantly pulled a hidden baby panda from his shirt. What the? How did that get in there? Man, those baby pandas can climb, am I right? The policeman scowled at him and took the baby panda to the truck with the others. Susie shook him. Sawyer, the clock! They looked up to see a giant clock in downtown about to change to four. Just before it changed, a hooded figure from the crowd passed stealthily by them, slipping a piece of folded paper into Sawyer's hand. The clock struck four and the noisy Hong Kong streets swirled into silence as Sawyer and Susie's surroundings blurred back into Grandpa's study. Grandpa Boone shot up out of his leather chair. Thank heavens you made it back! He said with a smile. He ran over and gave them both a hug. Susie couldn't contain herself. Grandpa, you should have seen Sawyer. He was amazing. He and Jackie Chan were like, pow, pow, ya. Grandpa raised his bushy eyebrows at Sawyer. Pow, pow, ya, eh? Nah, it was no biggie, said Sawyer, trying to play it cool. What's that in your hand? Grandpa asked. Sawyer wasn't sure. The feeling of paper in his hand came as a surprise. He slowly opened his hand, and there in his palm was a folded piece of origami, a paper dragon. Grandpa's smile melted. Sawyer unfolded the paper and held it up. A red stamp of a dragon marked the top of the page. Below it, written in red, was a note addressed to Sawyer and Susie. Sawyer read it aloud. "'You two have interfered twice now with our dealings, and the time has come to bring your travels to an end.' You have only felt the heat of the dragon's fire. Prepare yourself for the burns of its fiery breath. Your new enemy, the dragon. Sawyer, Susie, and Grandpa Boone stared at the note in silence. 
Then Sawyer turned the page over in his hands, studying the folds. I don't get it. How did they fold it into a dragon? You've been listening to Grandpa's Globe, a production of the Purple Rocket Podcast. Be sure to check out the read-along and lesson that come with this episode, found at www.purplerocketpodcast.com. And be sure to tune in next Monday for an all-new episode. This is your host, Greg Webb, and thank you for listening.